You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. Farbringen show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. You can be caught part of our conversation by WhatsApping 061 895 That's 061-895-1019. And SMS number 34519. So what are we going to talk about today? What are we going to forbring about today? Let's forbring about stress. Craig, you don't know what stress is, but I'll just introduce you. There's this concept called stress. Um, when our lives get overwhelming. And I'll tell you what triggered uh, going in this direction. First of all, life itself. But interesting, this week's parsha. Just a quick um, call out to the parsha. This week's parsha, we read how Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, gathered the Jewish people after the sin of the golden calf, after they had failed dismally, and he introduced them to the concept of Shabbat, of Shabbos. And although they had heard about it before, he focuses on it more, and he literally has a whole congregation by Yakhil. He gathers everybody, that's the name of the parsha. he gathers everybody and he talks about Shabbat, Shabbos. And there are many, many different ways of looking at it. I'm sure Rabbi Lipsker on his parsha show on Friday will explore various different ways. I just want to explore one detail in it. Why, after the sin of the golden calf, why, after the Jews failed so dismally with serving an idol, doing idolatry 40 days after the giving of the Torah, is Moses talking about Shabbat? And I remember hearing an answer once that people make terrible mistakes in their lives when they're stressed out, when they don't take a pause, and when they just get endlessly, they find themselves endlessly turning in the wheels of life without actually taking a breath of fresh air. And what Moshe tells them, he says, yes, there's many reasons why you guys sinned with the golden calf. But one of them is that you guys didn't pause to think. You didn't pause to process. You didn't step out of the mess and allow yourself to see things in a fresh and new perspective. And what I want to introduce you, Moshe says, let me remind you, there's a concept called Shabbat. Once a week, you pause life or rather you pause the activity of life, the rat race of life, the busyness of life, the activity of life, you pause it and you allow yourself to recenter, to find yourself, to go back inward rather than outward. And that's, you know, that triggers a lot of thoughts. This idea of being able to center ourselves, to be able to focus, to be able to regain our own entity is a concept that in our time seems to be harder than ever. The ability to disassociate ourselves from anything other than ourselves, whether it is our job, whether it is our technology, whether it is um, even certain relationships, and to be able to live within ourselves is an incredible endeavor for each and every one of us, and it's something that we all have to ask ourselves, are we doing enough of? A few days ago, I was watching uh, the YouTube channel, and a video came up which fascinated me, and this is about people who spend their entire lives um, 
broadcasting themselves on YouTube channels. That's what they do. So they've been very successful. They've either um, have a tourism channel or they have a growing up channel, whatever. They somehow resonated with a group of people. And each video they post gets hundreds of thousands or millions of views. And somehow through that, they manage to make a living through adverts, etc. And for an extended amount of time, they live by extension. They live through their channel. And the video presentation I was watching was pretty much focusing on these people and seeing how each and every one of them at some stage had to take a pause and freeze themselves. In other words, they had to step away from this craziness. And one of the people that was on the screen made a, made an impression. What they said is, having spent every single day of my life for the past three years broadcasting myself and trying to create a narrative of my day so that I could make a five-minute, ten-minute YouTube video, I felt no longer true to who I am. I I felt like I am just the personality on the screen. I'm no longer me. And the disassociation between myself and the identity that I'm projecting and that's bringing in money caused a lot of chasm. It caused a lot of angst. It caused pain. It caused... Stress. It wasn't natural. It wasn't healthy. A lot of us live by extension. We live in another identity. We create an identity for ourselves, a social media identity, a even not social media, but social circle identity, a personality, a persona. We And then we spend our lives trying to fit in to a persona, which is very often not who we are. It might be a successful persona. It might be the persona that, you know, gets things happening, but ultimately it's not authentic to the person we are. And we can become so engulfed, we become so enmeshed in that character that we never pause and ask ourselves, is this really me? And when we never do that, we find ourselves, after a certain amount of time, totally disassociated, totally lost from who we are because we're living in projection. We're living in a different character. Just try to imagine it as a video game, okay? So you you choose a character to be the person that you're playing through and you go onto the screen and you start playing and you convince yourself you're this soccer player or you're this kind of individual searching for treasures. But at some stage, not only are you using that person, you become that person and you see yourself through the persona of that person on the screen. And that is insane. It is. It could actually lead to insanity and it can lead to total collapse of inner peace. Often we do it in sports. So, for example, a person's a sport fan. There's nothing wrong with being a sport fan. But at some stage, they no longer support a certain team. They and the team, at least in this person's mind, have become one. And they kind of live vociferously through that team. And the team's success is their success. The team's failure is their failure. And ultimately, what is that? Objectively, that's absolute nonsense. How, how did that team become the definitive telltale sign of what your mood will be today? Because the person chose to live through that team, 
to live through an identity other than themselves. And when that happens in an intense way, when that happens where the person fully invests themselves into an identity other than their own, it can cause a tremendous amount of stress. It can cause a total lack of center. The person loses their own center. They lose their core. And you try to find who are you? Don't tell me who you are on social media. Don't tell me which team you support. Don't tell me what colors you like or, or any anything outside yourself. Who are you? What are you? What make what is you? What makes you tick? And it's only when a person spends the time and allows themselves to look inward and focus and get to know themselves that they can find inner peace. But as long as they're living in projection, can they ever find inner serenity? What are your thoughts on this concept? Love to hear your thoughts on 061-895-1019, SMS at 34519. This is Levi Aftana 101.9 FM, and this is Lechna from Chayim Israel here on the Farbringen Show. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtzan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Schull here on Soul to Soul, the Farbringen Show. You can WhatsApp 061-895-1019. You can SMS the number 34519. So we're talking about regaining our center, the ability to not lose ourselves in the stress of the day. So let's build on that and address a character trait that many of us struggle with, and that is anger. What is anger? Unfortunately, we we are faced with it so many times during the day, whether it is a stressed out spouse, a stressed out child, a stressed out parent, a stressed out coworker, a stressed out boss. We're stressed out. Whatever it is, at some stage, there's a high probability that we will face off with somebody who is angry. What is anger? Anger is a lack of control. It's the the loss of self-discipline. It's when a person lets go of their moral compass of the way to behave and the way to see things, and they just enter a different craziness. They they actually enter a different universe and where they don't see themselves responsible to what comes out of their mouth. They don't see themselves responsible for their facial expressions. They are angry. And later on, when they calm down, they'll often sit there saying, sorry, I was angry. And as if I was angry was an excuse and a justification for what they did at that moment of anger. Now, what is anger? Anger is loss of control. Anger is this idea that I'm no longer myself. I literally transform into a monster. Anger, sulking, etc. All these expressive they're dangerous. All these expressive ways of communicating, they're dangerous mechanisms. They justify loss of control. And when our kids become angry, what do we do when they're young? We tell them, control yourself. Get Put yourself together. Go calm down in the room. Why? Because we see it as unhealthy for the person we want them to become. Don't just have meltdowns all day. Get it together. And yet, Often those same adults who are parenting the kids on how to control themselves are the same ones that an hour later are losing themselves. 
Think about most marital issues. Most marital issues express themselves in anger. Yes, there are always underlying issues, but often what tears the couple apart is not the issues that there are, it's the way those issues are expressed, because most couples, if not every single couple in the world, has issues. But what do they, in which mechanism do they express their issues? In which way do they try to deal with the complexities of the relationship? Option A, exhibit A, anger, loss of control, let the mouth say whatever comes into it, an absolute shutdown of the brain, when I say the brain, I mean the ability to self-regulate, the ability of self-discipline. Shut down the brain and just allow the mouth to spill out whatever nonsense is the heart is feeling at that moment. The problem is that words can never be taken back. And once those words were said in anger, regardless of that excuse, oh, sorry, I wasn't angry, it's irrelevant. Those words were put out there into the world. They were put into the relationship, and they can never be taken back. How many people have told me regarding a certain relationship, they said, Rabbi, I'm really trying to get the relationship together, but ultimately, after that person said those words, the relationship will never become what it used to be. A bridge was burnt. Why? Because those words came out. And every one of us has darkness. Every one of us has, you know, moods, etc. But when we don't regulate those moods, when we don't control our thoughts and our words and our actions, and we just allow anger or sadness, compulsive behavior to totally take us over, that we, we literally lose our core, it can destroy so many things in our path. It can literally unravel our relationships. Most issues that, that, that seem to be rising in marriages that become dangerous to relationship have something to do with anger. So t- today we're talking about this idea of not letting ourselves lose our core, not getting lost by whatever the world or whatever our experiences are pulling us towards, but rather regain our center. <sighs> Just come back. <sighs> Re-enter the body. If you want to use imagery in your mind, just try to imagine that when we're angry or when we're extremely sad or any other of those moods, we literally fly out of our own body. And our body's taken over by this gangster. And once we calm down, it's literally us and our body becoming one again. And suddenly we realize the insanity that happened just five minutes before when we were angry. To regain ourselves, to reconnect ourselves. Just calm down. Calm down. Often when we see a person that's extremely emotional, what do we say? Sit down. Just relax. Get back to yourself. Easy, easy. Reconnect to who you are. That's what Shabbos is in the, in the weekly form. But that's what, even scientifically, it's interesting how in the past few years, the science of sleep has become something that you see often about. It's whether in speeches, articles, etc. Ten years ago, nobody spoke about sleep. 
those of us, the teenagers who loved sleeping, would just sit there saying it's the best thing that ever happened, and adults who had who had a life, <laughs> um, or teens who had a life, would sit there saying that sleep is a total waste of time. It's a necessary evil. And the truth is, too much sleep is is evil, and too little sleep is also evil. That's what science has proven. That if a person does not give their brain, the and heart and body the ability to calm down and access the subconscious, they, it affects so many parts of the next day. I remember reading that lack of sleep is as dangerous to driving as alcohol consumption. The problem is that you can't, they haven't figured out a test about how to test how tired you are. But I know that myself, when I'm tired and I'm driving, it's not, I don't feel like I'm on top game. Heaven forbid, you could be not noticing certain things. Your brain is not fully rejuvenated. You're not on full function. Your electricity that's supposed to be coming into your brain is not flowing well, okay? There's a bit of a load shedding. And what's been proven is how sleep is extremely important. Whether it's six hours to eight hours, Maimonides talks about those numbers, but minimum six hours. For myself, I find six hours totally not okay. It's not enough to be able to fully, fu- you know, function the next day for my brain to flow. I remember a few times being on this radio show and not having slept well the night before and just struggling throughout the show to, to find a word, to find, uh, to hold my train of thought, the ability to just be compass mentis and be in control of what's going on within me. So, Today, people talk about sleep as absolutely necessary, as necessary as eating well and exercise. And if you actually look at it, you'll find, you know, I said most issues in marriages have something to do with anger. But if you look even deeper, most issues in any relationship have something to do with either the the person didn't sleep enough or didn't eat enough. One of my favorite stories is there was a, a great character. He's a Hasidic Jew. His name was Uven Dunin, a blessed memory. He was a f- f- larger-than-life character, a very interesting individual. And he tells a story that he was once a teenager, and he was feeling extremely, you know, devout and clingy to to fight, to connect to the Lord, and to lose himself. And he runs into. Lubavitcher Rebbe's office and he starts talking all this highfalutin stuff. I want to connect with God and I, I want to lose myself in, 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 in God's unity. And the Rebbe turns to him and says, Reuven, did you eat today? <laughs> did, you, did you eat today? I mean, like, just... And he suddenly wakes up and he says, yeah, I haven't eaten. <laughs> the Rebbe says, okay, go have yourself a good breakfast. In other words, well, have, have you lost your marbles? Go eat. What's going on? And this seemed to be a very pious thing, but where is it coming from? Is it coming from true sincerity or it's becoming because you're just totally over hyper because you haven't eaten, haven't slept? Literally, here's the best advice I can ever give to marital issues. When there's a fight, and so, you know, I don't feel justified to give this advice, but it's still, even though I don't feel, again, I'm a professor on marriage, I still feel that it's the right thing to do, to share it. And here it is. When there's a fight, look at each other and ask yourself, are any of us hungry? Are any of us tired? And if that's the case, pause and either go get the food you need or the sleep you need. 
and then continue. And you'll discover 99% of it is gone. Why? Because the issue is still there, but our emotional reaction to it, our emotional lack of control is gone because now we're, again, in control of ourselves. We are plugged in again to who we are. Okay, fine. There's an issue. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I can deal with it. It's not the end of the world. We've overcome bigger challenges before, etc., etc. But when the person is overtired, underfed, or any other bodily, you know, need is not being taken care of, they totally lose it. The Mizritcher Magid, who was a great sage of the 18th century, used to say, a small hole in the body, a kleine lechel in guf, is a is a big hole in the soul. In other words, when the body is not working, it affects the spirituality big time. Think about it. You could have the smallest little thing. You could have a cut on your leg, but then try to sit there studying, trying to daven, and you'll fi- you'll often find that you could only think about that scratch. That ingrown toenail, which, you know, ingrown toenail, what is a tiny little nail that went into the skin, but ultimately that little hole in the body can distract our entire spirituality. So we started off the show talking about the importance to recenter ourselves. And I want to go back to the topic, spiritually speaking, the ability to recenter ourselves through Shabbos, etc. But what the tangent we went on for the past few minutes was to remember that it's not only spiritually that we have to recenter ourselves, even physically. People who don't sleep, people who never take a break, people who don't eat well. They skip meals. Oh, I'm so busy, I can't eat. Do you really think you're functioning on better capacity for your business because you skip breakfast and lunch? Really? You might convince yourself, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I worked 18 hours a day. Was it 18 hours of productivity? Often I find that I could sit there looking at the screen, trying to write an article, trying to prepare a speech, whatever it is, you know, in, in my field of work. And if I'm not, if my body's not functional, I could spend three hours and literally go nowhere. Yes, I can sit there typing lots of words on the screen, but the thought is incoherent and it's not inspiring. It's not actually going anywhere. And then the next day after having a- a- eaten, slept, Sit down and literally within 20 minutes, I can produce the same thing on a much better quality. Why? Because now I'm bringing my whole self into it and it works. So, you know, many people sit there worshiping this idea like, oh gosh, you know, that person's a hard worker. They work 20 hours a day, 18 hours a day. And I often wonder, maybe there's exceptions. I often wonder, these people that work 18 hours a day, is it really 18 hours of productivity? Do they actually squeeze 18 hours of maximum productivity? And if they worked eight hours a day, at the end of the day, would they be doing any worse? Really? I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that argument that it's all about how many hours you put in. I think it's very often the quality of the work you put in. And the quality very much has to do with self-maintenance. But... In certain cultures, it's worship this idea of how hard you work, how much, how little time you give. To, I'm sorry, like, I just can't. I just don't have any time. I remember watching a TED talk by a Brazilian businessman, and his name is Ricardo something. I watched it again recently. A fascinating talk. I think he's a Jewish guy in uh, Brazil, and he, 
literally has the weirdest ideas about business and about life. Literally, like, wacko ideas, and he acknowledges it. And one of the things he says, he says he gives himself two days a week that he calls days to focus on death. And those days he gives himself the ability to go touring, see things he's never done, read books he never did, etc. And he allows himself many, many days during the year, etc., to explore different avenues. And his own employees, you don't want to work in the office, you can work at home You, as long as you get the job done. Totally out-of-the-box mechanisms. He's opened schools that follow these out-of-box ideas. And his argument is that we're not programming for success. We're, we're not programming for wisdom. His word is wisdom. He says we don't set our lives up for wisdom. We just work in this old agricultural model of how to get, you know, squeeze as many hours of cutting um, wheat in the field without actually asking ourselves, are we w- achieving wisdom? Are we upgrading our ourselves? Are we hitting a new level? And I often find, you know, in this rat race, sorry, Rabbi, we don't have any time to learn. Fine. Listen, I always say, you don't want to learn with this rabbi, learn with a different rabbi. You don't want to learn with a rabbi, read, go on the internet and learn. But when somebody says they have no time to learn, it's like saying I don't have time to go to the toilet. Heaven forbid. I mean, like the, the contrast is terrible. It's like, it's not a choice. You have to. It's part of your DNA. It's part of your very fabric. Just like you find time for the basic human necessities, there has to be this time to... Breathe, learn, reconnect, regain our sanity. It's no justification to sit there saying how busy we are. Too busy to live? Too busy to have a marriage? Too busy to love our children and spend time with them? Really? And we actually think we're being productive in those three hours that we were sitting in the office instead of spending it with our kids? Really? That's besides the argument that nobody sits there putting, um, you know, how many hours they spent in the office on their grave. Irrelevant. I'm just asking, do you really think that working 12 hours instead of 9 hours brought you, in the long term and in the short term, much more productivity? I don't think so. I think each and every day we're supposed to give out of ourselves, work-wise, family-wise, a certain amount. And once we go beyond that, it's actually counterproductive. What do you think? Just a thought here on 061-895-1019, SMS 34519. This is Levi Avtsan on 101.9, Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9, Chai FM. So this is 101.9, Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. And we're talking about the ability of recentering ourselves, reconnecting, not getting lost, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's just emotional distraught. The ability to just reconnect. You think about it in the Jewish calendar, the Jewish calendar of each and every day, the Jewish calendar of each week, and the Jewish calendar every month, etc. Our lives, the Jewish life is set up for lots of reflection time, for lots of time of reconnecting to our center. What do we do every single day after we wake up? The first thing we're told to do is daven, pray. What does that mean? It means to spend a half an hour, 40 minutes, reconnecting to our inner purpose. I acknowledge in front of God, I thank Him 
for giving me my soul back, for ability to live, then davening, acknowledging all God's, you know, gifts in this world, uplifting ourselves to a spiritual appreciation of the angels, God's unity, Shema Yisrael, loving God, Amida, spending time one-on-one with the Lord, every single day, three times a day, the main one in the morning, reconnecting. Then in the evening again, Mincha, Mayriv, that's besides the learning, that's besides every time we eat, we make a bracha, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Shakol Again, reconnecting, reconnecting, not losing ourselves, not for a moment forgetting that we are living a life of purpose, that there's a creator. In the words of the Tanya, Vihine Hashem Nitzavalav, and behold, God is upon each and every one of us, studying us and looking at us every single day to see if we're serving Him correctly. In other words, there's a God that's fully involved and fully interested in everything that's going on in our lives. And every single day, numerous times during the day, we're reminding ourselves before we eat, after we eat, and we go out of the toilet, etc. So many times, connecting, reconnecting to that core. And then every week we have Shabbos, we have the 24 hours, disassociate from physicality and very much focus on our spiritual core and the meaning of life. Go to Shul, you know, have a longer davening experience, read from the Torah, learn some lessons, hear a speech or two if we don't fall asleep, um, go to Shiur, spend time with family, recenter ourselves. We're told that already from th- Thursday night, it's a time to have inner reflection, the ability to summarize the week. It's interesting that the sages tell us that every single day, every week, every month, and every year has a time dedicated for reflection besides davening you. Every night we're told by Kriya Shema that when a person says the Shema at night, the Kriya Shema before bedtime, Kriya Shema Shalamita, it's a time to reflect what's called a Cheshbon HaNefesh, an accounting of the soul, to account for the day. And we're told Thursday night is an accounting for the week person supposed to spend some time Thursday night asking themselves how the week went by. And Erev Rosh Chodesh, the day before the new month, is a time to reflect on the month. An entire month of Elul, the month before Rosh Hashanah, plus Rosh Hashanah, etc., is a time to reflect on the year. It's constantly processing. Now you think to yourself, we're a religion of action. We're a religion of doing. Asher bara lokim lasot, God created this world for action. And if it's all about action, why is there any time to pause? Just do, 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 do. Don't stop. Work 24 hours a day. No, 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 no time to pause. Because that's not action. The only way to do more is to pause and reflect. Otherwise, you might be climbing off on a totally wrong ladder. Imagine if you never actually get to pause and ask yourself, am I even on the right ladder? And yet you're climbing rung after rung after rung after rung after rung after rung after rung without asking yourself, one second, Am I going where I should be going? Because I'm so busy doing, because I'm so busy keeping myself busy that I never actually pause and ask myself, am I okay? Have I lost relationships on my road to success? Have I lost success because I got carried away with random things? Am I centered? And thank God to this, I'm being cynical, but thank God for this phone in our pocket because that's doing a great job of 
decentralizing us. It's literally making us lose our core. It's making us get lost from who we are, that the second we have to spend 30 seconds with ourselves, we go crazy. And what boggles my mind is about myself, how I'm often at a red light or I'm often at a moment in the meeting where the meeting's getting boring. And instead of just, you know, sitting back and thinking about something, my phone comes out. No message came through, nothing. But uh, my phone comes out. Why? Why am I struggling to spend time with myself? Why am I struggling to regain my center? Why can't I just spend some time breathing, meditating, remembering, thinking, reading, calming down? When a person loses the ability of even finding their own center, of spending time with themselves, is there any surprise that we find ourselves stressed out, angry, agitated, fearful, pessimistic? Of course we would. We actually have lost our inner core. We've lost the road to our inner core. We never lose the inner core. We've lost the navigation to there. And when we, we lose that connection, then we get pulled by whatever is going outside of ourselves consumes us, which is truly unfortunate. This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. Okay, regaining ourselves. This weekend, we have a wonderful opportunity. This weekend here in Johannesburg, we have the Sinai and Dada, a wonderful initiative of the chief rabbi every single year where Jews around town come together for 24 hours of learning, an evening program, the next day program. Craig, I hope to see you there. And fascinating speakers and a pause. It's a Sunday, the ability to just pause, listen to something interesting, connect to an idea that may be fresh, even if we know it, we haven't heard it in a while, connect to the Jewish music that's going to be shared, just let go into the experience and regain a bit of inner peace. Because here's the fact. Each and every one of us has a soul, a neshama. And when we don't nourish our soul, we feel frustrated. We might not be able to understand that frustration. We might think it's um, lacking stuff, etc. But ultimately, we need it. And it brings so much peace. You just see when a person comes out of a good shear or a good, uh, you know, lecture on something that resonated, you just see the light in their eyes. Reconnection. An inner peace. And I want to bless each and every one of us. We're in the month of Adar. We're in the month of joy. We're just a few weeks away from Purim. And each and every one of us has the incredible opportunity to tap into the energy of our time, which is joy. Optimism, not not being doom and gloom, not just trusting every piece of the news to define our mood, not allowing the mood to come from outside ourselves, but the mood to come from inside, from a healthy place, from a whole place, from an untarnished space within our heart. To just be joyful, to just be happy, to recenter, to be peaceful, to live a serene life, to remember that regardless of what goes on outside of us, there's a God in this world. 
and is, and Hashem runs every single step of our lives. And to let go of convincing ourselves that we're in control and that what we can know, you know, spending so much time watching news, trying to predict the future, playing the stock market, trying to predict the future. At some stage, we start convincing ourselves that we actually set the future, but that's not true. Not even remotely true. Hashem runs the world. And the more we're connected with that idea that there's a God, a good God who wants to do good for this world, and we talk to him and we communicate and we ask of him and we learn his wisdom, it can keep us centered, can keep us grounded. It can make sure that we don't just get swept away with the mood outside of us, but rather with the eternal, with truth, with wisdom, and with the gift of God's Torah. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Yafson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, hoping to see you at the Sinai and Daba this Saturday night and Sunday. So go visit sinaiandaba.co.za. And may we all be blessed with inner peace, inner serenity, and inner wisdom. God bless you. See you next week.